but it was like there was a safe and I really struggled to open the safe. It was like a safe in my heart that was really hard to open. And when it would open, it'd be full of water and all the water would come out, but I didn't want the water to go anywhere. So I'd like lock the safe again. And, you know, it was too hard. I'm Sawyer Witted. And I'm Scott Tress. Welcome to The Stories That Make Us. This podcast uses the tool of the Enneagram to explore the beauty and complexity of humanity through stories, both real and fictional. Some episodes, we interview live guests about their stories through the lens of their types. Other episodes, we'll dissect fictional characters to discover their types and learn more about ourselves in the process. Because the reality is, it can be hard to see ourselves accurately. The eye can see everything but itself. Thanks for joining us, and let's get to it. What's up, people? Hello. Scott. Yes. Sawyer. Hey. Hey. Hi. <laughs> what are you, you going to ask me? <laughs> let's just get... Let's you know it. Get some past tags. I, dear listeners, I do not prep Scott for these questions. Mm, unfortunately. I think I've said that before, but I just want to remind you. I just kind of throw them at him, which is like my favorite thing <laughs> to do to him. If you could have a lifetime supply of anything, Ooh. what would it be? Oh, that's good. Not just food. Hmm. Batteries, <laughs> <laughs> pillowcases. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's really good. Because I've, you know, the temptation is to say like money Allergy or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when I run out. Just me. Okay. Chapsticks. You know, and it's like, oh, I can't find it. I feel like I do have an endless supply of chapsticks. <laughs> I feel like I have like seven mm. sticks. Anyway, this is not about me. <laughs> But the temptation and the like cop out answer is to say like money or diamonds and it's like, huh, nothing can get anything I want. But that's lame. So if we're taking out, you know, profitability, you can't sell this thing or use this thing for profit that you're getting. I would probably say and I know you mentioned it doesn't have to be food, but I'm I'm a fan of food. Um, Me too. So, you know, if I could have an endless supply of something. I would probably go with sushi as long as it's oh, fresh and God I don't bless. have to pay for it. Oh, mm. I mm. could eat sushi all the time. Yeah. I would if I could, but that is probably the food that it feels special enough. Like, you know, I love pizza. There's lots of stuff I love, but sushi yeah. just has this Sushi's different place lovely. that if I could have it whenever I wanted, mm, that'd be nice. I got to take you and Crystal to this sushi place in Chalfont. It is the best sushi really? I've had in Pennsylvania. Ooh. Yeah. It's so good. What would my lifetime supply be? Batteries. I think you said it. No, or those like really throwaway disposable of... razors. <laughs> Ooh. You're a throwaway disposable razor. <laughs> Honestly, a lifetime supply of coffee. Ooh. Like I don't need to buy it. Iced coffee specifically. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to buy it. I just have it That's all good. the time. Whenever I want an iced coffee, I can And you have can, spe- it. you know, it's going to be, if you can pick, it's going to yeah. be the best iced coffee you've ever had. So That's it's right. like, oh. Dang straight. Ooh, that is good. That right. Is good. Yeah. What does it say about us that both of uh, our items are food consumables? (laughs) We are materialistic co-bags. No. Okay. This episode. I'm super excited about this episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like I say I'm super excited about every episode. Whatever. I'm just going to say it. Mildly excited. I said it anyway. We have- Honestly, not that excited. (laughs) This one was a bust. Get ready. Today we have on the show, Paul Harworth. Paul is half of the twin duo known as Twin Sauce. And Twin Sauce is an account on TikTok, Instagram, in the social media sphere. Mm. 
one of the biggest things that Paul and Luke, his twin brother, are known for is their synchronized dancing. They are very gifted dancers, and they do more than just dancing. They talk a little bit about it in the episodes, so you'll hear about that. But that's one of the biggest things they're most well-known for. Paul, after working his way through his bachelor's degree in theater as a wedding photographer, he went straight to work in the film industry. While working in and around the industry, he ran a photo and video production company as well as Twin Sauce. Now he and Luke do Twin Sauce full-time. He is very energetic and was such a delight to talk with. Scott, he was also a special guest to have because mm-hmm. he's your Enneagram soul twin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, as I'm sure you have all gotten used to hearing me say, I love to talk about how it's interesting to have that head knowledge and then hear someone who, even if they're your same type or a different type, you hear that experiential knowledge of someone that's different or someone that maybe is not your prototypical type yeah. um, or what you think of. But right. What's fun is that for me, I just got to talk to myself. It was it was <laughs> awesome. There's obviously there's differences. We yeah. are all individual people, but at the same time, it's so so fun and refreshing to talk to someone that you feel like understands you. Yeah. Not not that they can say, "Okay, I get that," but they say, "Oh, I I feel that. I know that. Mm-hmm. I you know, I've experienced that." So mm-hmm. that was really fun. Yeah. And the thing that you're referencing is the fact that not only is he a fellow seven as you, but you guys are the same subtype, which yes. is the social seven, mm-hmm. which if you guys remember when we talk about counter types, they're the counter type seven. So they often don't, they often may not look like a type seven or have a lot of the similar behaviors of a type seven. Mm-hmm. They might deal with certain extra other things that, you know, is not typical of, of a seven. Yep. Um, and also he leans very heavily into his six wing as you do. Yes. So, yes, it was very funny talking to the two of you. It was great. I felt like I could just kind of sit back and just kind of watch <laughs> you converse. It was awesome. So really quickly, we want to give you an overview of Type 7 to reference as we head into this interview. The core fear is being trapped in emotional pain, being deprived, limited, or bored, missing out on something fun or something that they perceive as fun or stimulating or exciting. The core desire is being happy, fully satisfied, and content. The core weakness is gluttony constantly seeking to fill the great empty hole inside of them sevens consume and consume more and more stimulation and experiences in an effort to satiate their hunger for wholeness happiness and satisfaction gluttony is a relentless energy powered by the belief that enough is never enough their core longing then or the secret sauce is that you will be taken care of enjoy our episode with paul Paul, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you, man. I'm so excited. In classic Type 7 fashion, we're already laughing. <laughs> I love it. I am outnumbered today between you and Scott, yes. so that'll be interesting. <laughs> Intrigued to see how this goes. Uh, Paul, why don't you tell the good people who you are? Share okay. a little bit with us about, yeah, who's Paul? I am a twin. I guess that's a pretty big part of who I am. I have a twin mm. brother, Luke, but we are number three in four of five. So I have two older brothers who one's four years older than me and two years older than me. And then a sister who's about Mm. almost six years younger. We were a handful, to say the least. (laughs) Can you imagine? Four boys in four years. But we we were homeschooled in a town that's about a thousand people in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. And it was, I actually really enjoyed it. It had its challenges, but it was fun. But back to who I am, I guess. I don't want to get off that. But I am a type seven on the Enneagram. I am a fun loving dude, but I also 
deal with pretty crippling amounts of shame in my life. That kind of counterbalances the Mm. happy-go-lucky. Sometimes it just masks. It's masked by being happy. Mm. And then sometimes it is a genuine, I'm a glutton for a good time. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That's just who I am a little bit. My twin brother and I run a social media account called Twin Sauce. Mm -hmm. And that's our main source of income right now on top of production and production design that I do, that Luke and I both do outside of that. So lots of photography and videos and Mm. yeah, so much. Yeah. (laughs) And what's the main thing you do with Twin Sauce? We are performers is what you'd say. I used to tell people I'm a dancer, but then they get the wrong idea. So I am a musical theater dancer that (laughs) does trendy TikTok dances as well. Not a stripper. (laughs) Yeah, not a stripper. Sorry. (laughs) To everyone else's chagrin, we are not strippers. But yeah, that's our main source of work right now is through social media marketing. And then on top of that, it's a lot of marketing and a lot of different, it's all sorts of different stuff for action side. But yeah. It's awesome. Thanks, man. Being a seven, how did you first discover your type? So that was, it was chaotic. So I was (laughs) post-college. So Luke and I had a third roommate that we were struggling relationally with, or I specifically Uh. was. And we had some friends over and they were chatting about the Enneagram. And I was just kind of, I don't, this is a lot. It's kind of like the Myers-Briggs. Like, it's just a lot. And when passionate people talk about it, it's like, hang on to your seat. Here we go. (laughs) And I am not as much as I love details, okay? So I yep. love to get in the nitty gritty of things. But the nitty gritty of that, like it's just almost too painful sometimes to like work through yourself. And I don't like to be sad and like anxious about that. So I just, I'm like, oh no, I don't need to know any of this. But those <laughs> friends presented it in such a very basic way. We just went through the Enneagram Institute and read about the different types. And so when yeah. they read about the seven, I was intrigued. And they said, if you're ever intrigued, I want you to walk out of the room and because we were all reading, had them on our phones, and then you could leave the room and go read about it. That's kind of how they had us do it. Mm. So I was like, huh. okay, so anytime you, anytime anyone was like, that kind of sounds like me, they could leave the room and kind of on their own read through the more detailed stuff. And so reading that, I was like, no one is supposed to know that. That's not right. Those are the <laughs> things I hide from everyone. Like those aren't, you're not, mm. it's like I felt naked. Mm. And I was like, that's not okay. So I think this, I don't know, this was probably... What year would this have been? Oh, it would have been 2017, maybe early 2018. But so not that long ago, not that many years ago. But we also found out that day that Luke was a three, I was a seven, and our roommate was a four. So fours and sevens notoriously do not get along. They see the world in polar opposite ways. Now that is not bad. The Enneagram helped me in so many ways to understand that he wasn't insane like I thought he was. It gave me grace, which is, yeah. I needed. And I like, oh, yeah. I love the guy. We aren't roommates anymore, but but he is a dear friend of mine. And we were just recently in LA together, which was so fun. And so the Enneagram really saved our relationship, but it, it did go through some rocky times as we grew to understand each other and understand mm-hmm. our motivations and where we, how we see the world. Yep. So it really came at a time that I needed it. And then it continued to grow as I like learned about it. So now I think for me, understanding in my personal life, how to interact with others yep. as well as myself and how to give myself grace and to understand how I see the world, it just helps me to put pieces <laughs> together as opposed to just running away from things when they're uncomfortable. Yep. And I don't know, that's my introduction was through these friends. And honestly, I'm not that close to those friends anymore, but like we see it when yeah. we see them, like it's not bad, but it was just cool that God placed those people in my life at that time mm. that I really needed somebody to be like, no, we're going to walk through this. This is fun. 
And I was like, I don't want it. Yeah. The social pressure gets to you and you're like, yep. I just oh, yeah. do it. Yeah, I guess everyone's doing it. So <laughs> well, here we go. Oh, this right. is the fun activity tonight. So I <laughs> guess I'll buy in. <laughs> this is the game we're playing. I guess we're doing it. Not my yeah. top choice, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting what you said about notoriously fours and sevens don't get along. I think a lot of people think too reductionistically. Yeah. Is that a word? I didn't understand what it means. Yeah, so you're good. <laughs> you know what I mean. They reduce the Enneagram types too much so that, for instance, like fours are just sad and sevens are just happy. <laughs> right. But the reality is yes. like the things underneath that, right? Mm-hmm. I really like this idea of like if you're thinking of a swimming pool. So mm-hmm. fours desperately want to be seen and understood and sevens really want to be taken care of. So yeah. the way that fours want to be seen and understood is that they want to be seen in the deepest darkest parts mm-hmm. of them right every every aspect of who they are they want someone to know and then to accept and love and mm-hmm. so they want to go to the deep end of the swimming pool sevens on the other hand they want to be taken care of but don't believe that other people are going to take care of them so they have to take care of themselves so they avoid the deep end of the pool because <laughs> what if i go down there what if i get stuck what if i'm alone what if i can't face this pain by myself mm-hmm. and i'm going to have to face it by myself right mm-hmm. and so there's more of this i'm just going to be the beach ball that just you try to push me underwater and it just pops up into the air and bounces <laughs> all around that is accurate for you as i talk about that in relation to the seven specifically, what is a story that you can look back to your childhood and you can Mm. see when that message first started to form for you of, oh, I need to keep things positive. I need to keep things light and whatever maybe the Mm. message is for you. I struggle with knowing exactly a time. I suppressed a lot of my younger years, the memories of my younger years that aren't happy. So maybe that is the story, I guess. But I got therapy in high school, which was really helpful. My parents thought it would be very good to get into therapy. And so as a therapist, we talked on the phone and for three years, they were expensive. It wasn't like it was cheap and my parents yeah. were in ministry. So it's not like it was <laughs> like cheap or like conducive. Yeah. And I really didn't take it seriously for many years yeah, because I wanted to just say what he wanted me to say. I didn't want to say what was true because it hurt too yeah. bad. And he was so gracious and so patient with me. I owe a lot to him. But finally I, I realized, oh crap, he doesn't care. Like he, I've never seen the man in my life. He doesn't care or he does care, but he doesn't like care what I have to say. He just wants to help. And Mm -hmm. so when I finally kind of opened up, it was like there was a safe and I really struggled to open the safe. It was like a safe in my heart that was really hard to open. And when it would open, it'd be full of water and all the water would come out, but I didn't want the water to go anywhere. So I'd like lock the safe again and I'd get, you know, it was too hard. And so then I'd open it a little bit more and a lot of water would come out and then that would swing the door open because it's so heavy that (laughs) the door couldn't hold it anymore. So I had to bust (laughs) out. And that was like moments that I realized I was hiding a lot of what I felt. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to feel sad. I didn't know how to process pain in my life. And there was a lot of pain that I just Mm. ignored and said I was fine. Luke will probably tell you in his episode about how he was the bad kid, but I was the good one. And I had to just be good and be happy because that was the perception that I had to be. And I couldn't really be anything else. So if anything else was bad, it had to be locked away for no one to find. And then I, and I love to cry. I love to like have a good cry. And it happens like once a year, maybe if that, (laughs) and that's like when that kind of that vault gets opened. But then like everyone around me is like, I don't know what you're talking about because that's a lot (laughs) that has nothing to do with this situation but that's great get it out yeah i don't know so it's a hard i don't know i'm trying to think of like specific childhood moments but i struggle to other than happy like going on vacation with my family i don't really remember a lot from my childhood 
I find it hmm. super interesting that you say you had to be the happy one. Why? Honestly, social perception. I have lived so much mm. of my life living other people's expectations for me. Mm. It wasn't until college, and I, I struggled to go into all this without going into my relationship with Luke, so I'll kind of back up a little bit. Mm. Luke and I have been best buds our entire lives. We've been mm. inseparable most of our lives. All growing up, we were kind of yin and yang, and just even though he was the bad twin, I was the good twin. We were <laughs> in it, it together. Worked. It worked. Yeah. And like if Luke wanted something, like we bought two different things, and it ended up that Luke liked my thing better. He'd just tell me he wanted it, and I'd be like, okay, and he could mm. have it. I was very easily manipulated. And it wasn't mm. until I think we were in high school or even like maybe middle school where my mom pulled me aside. And she said, Paul, you can say no. And I was like, <laughs> I know, mom, but I want it. This is what I want. And she was like, no, it's not. Mm. But I'll, but you just know you can say no. And it, until I was, it was around my senior year of high school, I started saying no. I started saying no. This is no. I want this. Yeah. And that really drove a wedge. And then we got to college and I decided to pursue a degree in theater, which at the time there was more to this than just like, oh, I want to do theater and Luke wants to do business. And that's, Luke hated that. It wasn't that. There's emotional layers there I don't want to get into. Yeah. But, it drove an even bigger wedge because I finally said, no, this is what mm. I want. Mm. And Luke had always been the leader and always been the one that kind of could like guide it. And I was mm. easily just like, okay, cool. I'll follow. But mm. it was at that moment that was kind of like, no, this is, and it wasn't, he wasn't doing it maliciously. We fall into these things as children easily. But that was a big moment in my life where I was like, I don't want that anymore. And I want, this is what I want. Mm. And it we didn't really due to our degree sets and the way that our schedules work we didn't see each other for like three years we lived together so we would see each other in passing and we'd see each other at dance class but we wouldn't see each other anywhere else and it was that was an interesting time of life to be like on your own and mm -hmm. figuring out what you wanted and then as we rekindled that relationship and went back into business together it was like figuring that out and figuring out how to work and we're both very stubborn people now but i think that through our stubbornness we make a really good product yeah. And so Luke has really good intuition that I sometimes don't trust. I have really good creative intuition. Luke has really good, he like calls them red flags, but like, he'll be like, that doesn't feel right. Change it. And I'll be like, I don't want to change it. It'll take too much work. And he's like, change it. <laughs> okay. So I'll change it. And then a week later, I'll look at it and I'll be like, you are right. That You're was right. a good call. That was a good call. <laughs> good intuition. Yeah. Good intuition. Well, that makes sense. Mm. I do not know where I was going with it. I got off on a rabbit trail and I, okay. <laughs> I'm no, trying to come great. back. <laughs> yeah. You were making me well, think of something. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I actually, <clears throat> so I'm just interested. You mentioned the struggle with saying no as a seven also. <laughs> I can relate with that. But also I know with other types like Sawyer, for example, being a two, that's another type this, that this isn't about often struggles to say no. But obviously these are different. So I right. just, I'm curious for you personally, what do you think the root of that struggle to say no is? Like, why do you feel the need to say yes? Or what causes you to be like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Whatever. I think this comes back to not, it's twofold. It's either not to cause conflict or to make someone happy. I hate conflict. Uh, we recently had to reach out and have this really hard conversation, or at least it was hard for me. Most people would be like, oh, that's just normal business talk. But I was like, they're going to hate me. And I had to ask someone for something and I didn't want to like inconvenience them, but I also didn't mm. want to make them think I like was a bad person or I had a lot of issues with it. I don't know why. Yeah. It was literally just like a business <laughs> thing where I was like, hey, you're asking for a lot more than you're paying me for and I need to ask you for more money. And they were like, yeah. sure, we'll figure that out. Let's <laughs> just draft it up in a contract. And I was like, that sounds great. Let's do it. But it was literally business. Like, why was mm. I so scared to like to inconvenience them or to make them hate me because I was, I yep. felt unvalued. Like, 
that's normal. I don't know why that was something that was so hard for me, but it, like all growing up, it was to either not inconvenience someone, not make someone hate me or to make someone happy. Yeah. And even I do that now today, even with some things that like, I was recently talking to a friend about this and she was like, I never know if you're actually want to do something. <laughs> and I was like, I do. And she said, no, are you just trying to make me not unhappy? Or I was like a multiple yeah. negatives in a row. No. But like, are you just trying to make me happy? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, yes. Yeah. And she's like, but do you want to be here? I was like, no. <laughs> well, I love what you just said, actually. You kind of uh, said it and then you backtracked. You're like, well, that's a double negative. But <laughs> I actually feel like you just captured a very big thing about sevens. <laughs> sevens do not want to make other people unhappy. Yeah, we don't. We hate it. It's more than just, I want to make you happy. Yeah. I think it's more so a fear of like, I don't want to make you unhappy. Yes. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I know as a seven can relate to the mindset of if we're at a crossroads, I know that I, I'll survive if we go the other way. Yeah. And I don't know if you will. So I'm going to go your way so that there's a better chance that we're both happy. There's I'll a, take the burden because I know yeah. I'll, I'll survive. What happens with that is like when I was dating a girl back in, in college, we're actually ironically still really good friends, but mm. we dated in college and during this this time it came down to that where it was like i'll just like god was giving me pretty clear signs that yeah no this is not the direction we want to go this is not the direction we're going and i told him no because i was like this is easier just to like make her happy like it's easier to stay in this relationship and not hurt her than to have a hard conversation to say this isn't working and we have to go in different directions for six months i told god no i said no yep this is too hard yeah i can't even think about it i just nope nope, yeah I just ignore it, push it down. Yep. Everything's fine. And then we had a couple conversations about it because I was just kind of overwhelmed with anxiety by it. And so luckily she wasn't thrown, like when we actually did have that conversation, she wasn't like left fielded because mm. let me clarify, we dated twice. It was bad. We dated the first time when we were like freshmen and we didn't know what we were doing, broke up. The second time we dated, it was more than a year. And it was mm. like when we were quite a bit more mature, we were seniors when we broke up. And so it was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And luckily we'd had hard conversations prior to that. It wasn't like it came out of left field, but it was like, it doesn't make it easier. Oh yeah. And, but yeah, no, as a seven, it is very difficult to, it's easier to make someone, to make yourself unhappy while making someone else happy. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. (laughs) And also I think there's something to be said that you're both social sevens. That is a big deal too. <laughs> Which again, for those of you listening who are like, what does that mean? I don't just mean extroverted because Scott's not extroverted. Nope. He's introverted. He's very <laughs> I love that. <laughs> However, social is referring to one of the three subtypes, right? Self-preservation, mm-hmm. social, sexual. We've talked about it before in the podcast. But the social seven is actually the counter type seven. So they often, in a couple different ways, they won't look like your classic seven in the sense that classic sevens are like, they're just seeking the stimulation and excitement and mm-hmm. pleasure in all the realms and just going that way. And if you want to come along, great. If not, okay, see you later. Yeah, You guys don't quite fit that mold in the mm-hmm. sense that you have a much more keen awareness of how other people are feeling and receiving mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. so there's a big focus on, I want to make sure everyone else is happy here first. Mm-hmm. And then once you're all happy, then I feel justified to go act out my gluttony. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> go seek my own excitement, simulation, whatever, which are not bad things, right? And I think people think also like, when I say the word stimulation, people think you're sexual. That's no. That's yeah. talking about. <laughs> no. Just anything that like engages your senses that is like an enjoyable activity. So it could be eating, it could be adventure, it could be 
watching a show or reading a good book series, mm. whatever. Right. Anyway. I love that. I loved learning about subtypes. I went to an Enneagram workshop that my friend right. put on and that was the first time I'd ever heard of the subtypes. And I was like, oh my, that explains a lot. Yes. Because yeah. I have all these friends that are sevens and they're the ones that are like, I don't care about y'all. I'm going, I'm doing this. And I'm like, I don't fit that mold at yep. all. Yeah. Right. I don't. Feel, I feel like a, a, an imposter to the sevens with my little six wing, and I'm nervous about being taken care of, which is really not a wing six thing. It's a seven thing, but it's like I just need to make sure things are fine on my budget first. Let me just yeah. go check my budget. <laughs> and as a seven, most sevens don't have a budget, and they just <laughs> go. And I'm like, I can never. <laughs> which honestly, it helps it when you're running a business to be a social seven. It doesn't help in your business to be a social seven. Because you say yes to everything, despite it being a bad business move. And you need a three to come in here and be like, good (laughs) thing you got one. (laughs) No. (laughs) We are not doing that. Man. (laughs) It sucks. Scott's just over here going, "Uh uh-huh. You're preaching to the choir. Everything. I'm like, oh, you get it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Scott, I know we're not talking about you, but I do want to hear how in engineering it works. (laughs) As a seven, because I worked in marketing, yeah, like on a team, and that was horrible. I hated it. Yeah, no, I get that. I think the difference just comes probably in personal interest for me. Sure, maybe this isn't common for a lot of people that are outgoing and looking for that, but I've always loved math and physics. So love. people view that as yeah, people view that as boring and lame. But I don't know. I've oh, always no, I don't find it boring at all. I love it. <laughs> I love the way things piece together. So I think going into that field, it's more my sevenness comes out in that I might be, I might make things seem more interesting than they are. And I'm like, no, this is awesome. Let, you know, look at how this is. You know, I find the fun in the thing that maybe most people are like, that's not actually that fun, that's, but that's stupid. I'm willing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is actually really cool. Okay. That's literally <laughs> the story of my life with Luke. It's literally <laughs> my life. I'm like, Luke, the dishwasher is an interesting piece of equipment. <laughs> do you know how it works it's crazy <laughs> just think about just think about it and he's like, i don't care i really don't care <laughs> just hearing you both speak it really does speak to the fact that like being an enneagram type is not the behavior being no <laughs> being an enneagram type is the motivation yep i would bet that for both of you and you can tell me if i'm wrong i would bet that when things are a little tougher in life you probably are more easily distracted like, oh yeah oh yeah and that's the point right <laughs> like today or yeah <laughs> like today you're experiencing that today. yes my my edit this morning was not going as planned and all i wanted to do was like i'm like i'm gonna go use the restroom and i'm gonna get on tiktok for 30 minutes that's not <laughs> yep. no you yeah. know what it's not getting done any faster go over there and do it it's not gonna get done it's not gonna get done with you sitting in the restroom it doesn't get easier <laughs> yeah right i logically know that but i don't yep. I am blissful ignorance. Yeah. You just turn off that part of your brain. And that oh. right there is why sevens are in the head triad primarily. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and not in the heart triad. Oh, man. <laughs> it's the worst, especially when I need to get a lot done. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's so hard to just sit there and be like, no, I know it's hard and you yeah. can do it. And then two seconds later, I'm like, what? how is my phone out? How did this happen? Where did this come from? <laughs> I don't even remember it happening. Oh, my goodness. You too. Uh, for real. No, but honestly, so when I worked in marketing, yeah. I, I was their only kind of the multimedia guy because they didn't have okay. a photographer on. They did have a graphic designer. And I told them when I went in, I said, I'm only a videographer and a photographer and I can edit mm-hmm. those mediums. But I yeah. am not a graphic designer and I'm not an animator. I don't have 10 years experience in those areas. Just be aware. 
And they said, great. My very first day, I graphic designed a website. Guess what I said I didn't do? That. And I told her, I was like, remember what we talked about like a week ago? And she was like, yeah, no, we just don't have anybody else to do it. So you guys can figure it out. I was like, I hate it when people so don't ever tell yes. me, just figure it out. It's like, I know I can. Do I want to spend 80 hours doing it? No. <laughs> I'm a professional in other areas. <laughs> but anyway, so what I did in that environment, it was very good for me. It was very hard mm-hmm. for me. I am a yes man. So I was saying yes to everything that they threw at me saying, oh, yeah, I can do that. Or, oh, yeah, I can do that. And it got to the end where I literally was cutting every corner in the book. Luckily, I had two years of daily vlogging experience behind me to like, snap through stuff. But yeah. I was, it was bad. It was so yeah. bad. I was like just anxious wreck the entire time. And it mm. got to the time where I was like, I'm going to, I'm done with this. I can't. And yep. yeah, I just burned myself out because I didn't know how to say no. And then when I did say no, they came back with, no, you can do it. You can figure it out. It's got to mm. get done. And I was like, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. When I put up when I put up my boundaries and then you say no to those. Then I get angry. <laughs> then I get mad. Yeah. Because yep. it, it takes so much of me just to get to that point to say no. And I know yeah. that they don't know that. They, I can't blame yes. them for not knowing that. But for me, when I get to the point where I'm like, we got to back up that. Do you know that's an 80 hour job? And I have one week to get it done, plus 90 hours worth of editing you need done by Monday. There's no way that's happening unless I work 12-hour days till that happens. And I ain't going to do that because I'm on salary. You're not paying me for that. And Mm. so, I, yeah, I got to the point where I just was like... Yeah, no, no." I get that. Yeah. It was really sad, though. We we only had two creatives on that team. And the day that I was going to just walk out, the graphic designer walked in. I had premeditated this. I was just going like, to leave everything there and just make my escape and be like, screw you. And then that same day, the graphic designer walked in and she said, Paul, it's been so great working with you and all this stuff. And I was like, it sounds like you're saying goodbye. And I hadn't told her that I was leaving. Yeah. I kind of thought that's why she was doing it, that she had found out. And she was like, no, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'll send an email when I leave, but you're the last one here. So I just wanted to personally say goodbye. I said, I need you to look at this email that I have drafted right here in this other tab. And so I clicked on that tab and she read it. She was like, no, in the same day. And I was like, she's like, that would be perfect. And I was like, no, we can't. There's no way for them to, they can't survive. They don't know how to open these files. They don't know how to process anything. And so I was like, I'll give them, I'll give them two weeks and then I'll put in my two weeks and then I'll be gone in a month. I can do a month. So she's like, okay, bye. (laughs) She still left. But it was funny that it it was both our six month anniversaries and we were going to walk out. Yeah, there you go. So when (laughs) all of our types, when we hit stress, we start to pick up attributes of other types. Yes. And sevens, when they hit stress, they pick up attributes of type one, Mm -hmm. which I think is where sevens put up those walls where they say, no, right? These are my boundaries. This is what I need to do. It becomes very actually gut focused where the ones lie. It's very Mm -hmm. much just action focused. No, Mm -hmm. I need to do this. I need to not do that. And you need to not do this. And you need to not. It's it's very one Right. Yeah. And it's fascinating because Scott said it perfectly. He said, that's when we get angry. Right. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) One's core weakness is resentment or anger. It's this energy that you guys are talking about. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just interesting to hear you talk about that because that's just very one. (laughs) Yes. You need it. You need that part. Yeah. Because otherwise you just you literally like I even noticed in the last couple months being there that I was in stress constantly. So Mm -hmm. I was just angry all the time and I couldn't create outside of it because I was doing so much creating at work. And I just was like, no, I can make this money elsewhere. I do not need you, (laughs) which is not good. But it is a great way to go in and be just like, this isn't what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And 
they really did respect me for not leaving. They drug her through the mud when she left. And I just was like, in my mind, this could have been me and her, but yeah. it wasn't. And so then when I left, they were all so sad. But hmm. going about it the way that like you should go about it, I think, is with like your notice and sure. putting yeah. in the time. I know millennials have all these different ideas of like, you don't owe them that. But I'm like, yeah. Yeah. With, with Specifically within my job, I have to be able to hand something off. Like I, yeah. like all of my stuff yeah. cannot be like taken over by anybody. So yep. I have to communicate. <laughs> this is where they are. This is yeah. how you find them. When you get a guy that can do it, this is where they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, sure. Corporate doesn't deserve my time. No. But my but coworkers, my team, yeah. team that I yeah. do care about even yeah. a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't want to leave them in the dust. I get that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I, it's just so hard, I think, sometimes to, as a seven in the corporate marketplace, and this is like where I think I'm not cut out for a corporate job. Mm. And unless I was really mature in my logistical side which i'm not i'm very emotional still i am logistical mm. but like i still operate on this like i want to say yes because i want everyone else to be happy i want everybody i don't want anybody else to be unhappy so i'm going to do everything i can which is why i suck at dating but they like i just want other people to be happy so i just <laughs> shed and shed all of my resources until i no longer have any resource to give mm. and at that point i'm just an angry sad ball of shame that is like, i suck and then I crumble and I fall apart and I'm just resentful and angry and not a good person to work with. And so for me, like when I'm on my own, a lot of times my contracts are short and I can give and give and learn from that mistake and take on the next one a little bit better, but I don't have the long-term effects, mm. which is not healthy. I need that. I need those long-form jobs so mm. that I can learn to communicate, so that I can learn to yeah. put up the boundaries early, not when I'm overextending myself. Mm. Yeah. Because cool. otherwise, I will constantly just be in that position. Good word. Yep. Always. It's all about growth. And I think this is the beauty of the Enneagram. It doesn't set you up to leave you there. It sets you up to grow into something or to continue to pursue growth. Because I, what I didn't like about the Myers-Briggs is I felt like I just got like put into a box. Mm -hmm. And then with the Enneagram, it was like, yes, this is going to be your motivation for things. And this is why you do this. But that doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Mm -hmm. yes. Like it explains why. Yeah. But right. It doesn't mean you have to do that. It's a helpful language. Yeah. If you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language there, it's going to be hard right. to navigate your way around. But if you right. have a language, yep. you can navigate your way around. And it's the right. same thing with life and growth. If yep. you don't have a language to engage your internal world, you're probably going to grow at a much slower pace than if yeah. you actually have a language to, to engage with that. And growth, of course, takes time. It takes time. It takes years. We're all obviously still growing and hopefully we'll continue to grow till the day we die. That's right. the hope. That's right. the ideal. <laughs> yeah. There's no arriving anywhere, but right. it sounds corny, but like it's all about the process, right? And so yeah. I think, like you were saying, having the Enneagram, having a language to describe our internal world is so helpful. And so speaking of that, speaking of those motivations, I actually want to touch on one of those motivations and just hear more about what that's like for you. And Scott, you can feel free to chime in too, mm -hmm. of course. But the gluttony piece. So mm. often sevens feel this insatiable hole inside of I want contentment. I want to be satisfied. I want to be okay. Mm -hmm. But it's like the more they go outwards to seek those things to distract themselves, to make themselves okay, to make themselves feel satisfied. It's like my my Enneagram teacher, she uses the, I think it's in Jeremiah, the book of the Bible, Jeremiah, mm -hmm. where he talks about we try to store up everything in these clay pots, but there's holes yeah. in the bottom of them yeah. and it just keeps drinking. Yeah. So it's like Seven's running around with this bucket that has a hole in the bottom and you're constantly pouring water into it, but it's constantly coming out. You also kind of 
poke holes in it too sometimes and that's the problem you kind of <laughs> poking holes and pouring water at the same time like this should change <laughs> what do you mean about poking the holes i think i self-sabotage myself hmm. as much as i'm trying to fill it i'm also sometimes sabotaging that mm-hmm. bucket so if for example i work all the time and i was telling someone this and honestly it's flex and it shouldn't be this should never be a flex as a person <laughs> who works for yourself it's a hard thing to stop working. Last night, Luke and I were like, nope, we're going to watch a movie. Guess what? We did watch Outer Banks for a few episodes, okay? So we did. We took a little moment for ourselves. We start. We took a break, which is rare for us. I normally work well into the night. And I did, even after we stopped watching Outer Banks, I was going to go to bed and made the mistake of sitting down at my computer to look at one thing and then ended up editing an entire video. I'm not even kidding, an entire video. And then I was like, oh, I should go to bed. And then I went to bed. That's stupid. I hate that about myself. That's sabotaging that. But it's also still trying to pour into that. My parents were here over the weekend for my brother-in-law's graduation from his master's. And it was so exciting. But they have a really good perspective on time and time management and like just spending time. And I did not like the fact that we came back from graduation and had the afternoon to do nothing. So we were like, took a nap. And then they wanted to play a game. And in my brain, I'm like, I have... 10 hours of work I could be doing right now. And it's like, no, Paul, relax, my friend. Calm yourself. (laughs) That can be done tomorrow. That is not a tonight thing. That's fine. And then, of course, I add more work for myself just to fill that insatiable desire to be busy. And it's like, and then I tell people, like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm tired. I'm busy. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, I want that, like, I want that sympathy. But at the same time, it's like, Paul, you do it to yourself. Like, (laughs) you can't ask for pity from someone else because it's self-inflicted pain. And it's like, why? But then I also feel like when I'm not doing anything and having a four as a roommate was really helpful for this. Mm. He was obsessed with beauty and he was obsessed with experience. And I love a good experience. I love a good adventure. Don't get me wrong. But I'm kind of an elaborate adventure person. As long as someone else is planning it, I'm not a great planner. So I like when other people Mm. plan them. But I just like to go and experience things. Mm -hmm. But my roommate was really good at he would go, he, even during COVID, we would just go for walks for hours. And I needed that. I needed somebody to push me outside instead of just sitting at my computer editing for mm. someone else. I was in the throngs of, of my production company during COVID. And ironically, I was the busiest I ever was because I was working for a construction company, but like doing like a drone work for them. Mm-hmm. And so I had constant work, but like for someone to come and come home and be like, hey, we got nothing going on tonight. That's awesome. Instead of watching a movie, let's go outside and go for a walk. Or let's go to this park. Let's go check out this place that I saw online that we haven't seen yet. Hmm. And it, I was resentful. And in hindsight, I'm like, why? That, those were like some of the most special moments of COVID was like just going on a walk hmm. where no one was out and about. No one's out. Right. And you're just like enjoying the sunset. Right. And it was like, why was I resentful for that? Because I'm always trying to fill up my plate with something and walking is slow and you have to think and you have to like experience something that might not be happy. Hmm. He might not be happy then he might want to talk about something that's hard on his heart or that he's kind of upset with you about. And I didn't want to experience that, but Hmm. I need to, that's good. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But it's kind of my nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. And it's understandable too. Like I know you're obviously like laughing about it, but like it's not a, a silly thing to feel shame about. Yeah. It makes sense. Understanding 
what goes on in the mind of a seven as much as I can as not being a seven, of course. <laughs> right, right. Like it makes sense why you want to stay busy and fill your mind with things. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Pain is yeah. scary. Mm. If you have a belief, it's not even just something like you're, that's just like a passing thought. It's a rooted belief from childhood that it's not okay to depend on people for your emotional needs yeah. to be met, relational needs, that kind of stuff. That's so well said. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. You have to you have to care for yourself by yourself. Yeah. And so if someone's going to start bringing some things where they, especially Scott and I have experienced this, if someone's going to bring things to you that, oh, you've hurt me in this way, don't try to put blame on me. Yeah. <laughs> if you only understood that I was thinking this way or that way. If you understood my intentions. Oh my gosh, that is so huge. Like we we would have conversations over with this, with my roommate and I would just be like, this is my excuse. Yeah. Doesn't that make sense? It's like, (laughs) no, he's processing. Let the band process. It's not. Yeah, but I don't, like you said, I don't want to experience it. I feel blame and shame because you felt something that I didn't intend you to feel. Because all I did is I wanted you to experience happiness. I was trying to manipulate myself to make you happy. But all you wanted was authenticity. And I gave you a fake facade mm-hmm. to make you happy, which is not yep. what he wanted. Yep. So that was hard. And I, it was good to learn. I, I got to the point where, I not I wasn't good at it, but I got to the point where I could let the guard down a little bit at times. And uh, sometimes that wasn't pretty. And sometimes it was malicious and not my proudest moments but it was authentic and he respected me for it which was Mm. not the reaction because i've somebody would have said that to me i would have been like no i'm out i'm done i'm never talking to you again right but like that's what he wanted he wanted me to tell him what i would tell him what i was thinking but it was really great for him (laughs) yep no i think especially as a social seven we think so much about all the things around us but we Mm. don't want to say them because it's like it might not be received the way i want it to be received so i'm not going to give it Mm-hmm. So there's such a fear of actually giving that because once you do and they receive it poorly, they're like, no, you don't get it. You're like, no, I've thought about this enough. Yeah. You need to just accept what I said. So I'm yes. just not going to say it instead. So, so it's, I just yeah. not say it at all and it'll be fine because yeah. everyone else is happier if they don't hear it. You guys are fascinating creatures. <laughs> I hate being a seven sometimes, but I also love being understood by something because yes. I so frequently feel misunderstood. But I also don't mm. let the, I don't let my guard down very often. Like ever. Luke is the one that sees me cry the most. And it was really funny during college. No, it was post-college. It was at, I was daily vlogging and I was getting like four hours of sleep a night, working oh. full time for a production company and emotionally just drained. And he came in and asked me something and it just, it was like two o'clock in the morning and I just popped off and I was just not having it. I was mm. mad. And he just sat there and just grace for him. God give him grace because he gave me grace. And he just <laughs> sat there and he just listened. The whole time hmm. and I just was so mad and I was just Aww. and then I started crying because I actually <laughs> finally worked through it enough to figure out yep. what I was feeling. And that guy he was like, It's okay. I understand. And he just sat there with me. Luke and our roommate got along pretty good because Luke could empathize with mm. the four. He could understand he's also got such a close connection being right next yeah, to it. Right next to it. He, yeah. Yeah. And he can like bridge that gap a little bit. Whereas the, your boy Paul could not. He could never. Yeah. He was Sitting there on the couch, just a confused mess. I don't know what's going on anymore. And I don't want to sit in this anymore. (laughs) Something I always find really interesting, um, which is funny that Scott and I are best friends because (laughs) we are a two and a seven. But twos and sevens are the only types on the whole Enneagram that do not have a connection to one of the instinctual centers. Uh So we've got the gut instinctual center, the heart, and then the head. Every single type either has like a stress path, a security path, or a wing that is in 
the other two instinctual centers mm-hmm. other than the one they lie in. Sevens do not have a connection to the heart triad at all. And twos do mm-hmm. not have a connection to the head triad at all, which also makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. And so for a two to sit and think and do productive thinking by themselves, mm. it just takes a lot of energy to engage the thinking. Also for a two to be an entrepreneur or to be like the leader mm. of something can take a lot of energy from them as well because mm. they're, they're, it's much easier to just kind of like follow people or come alongside people, do it with others and rather support, than entering yeah. a very independent head cerebral world where mm. <laughs> we're getting down to business and we're planning yeah. and we're casting vision for ourselves and that kind of stuff. That's so much harder to do. Yeah. But then the seven, one of the biggest reasons why the seven struggles so much to actually feel empathy, I think mm. can be very sympathetic. Yes. I think they can be very like, I'm sorry you're going through that. That's really sucks. But to actually feel really yeah, hard no. feelings yeah. with other people, <laughs> that's what empathy is, right? And yeah. that's just much harder because Part of it you can't help because you don't have a connection to the heart triad. Yeah. It's not an excuse not to do it. But <laughs> but it, it, is a struggle. It, does, it does make sense why it's hard. But then yeah. also the other piece of that is is figuring out what the heck they feel internally. Yeah. Like the seven, oh. it's so easy. You ask a seven how they're doing, they're like, I'm good. Things are good. Oh yeah. It's like well, how's life going? Good. It's like all the time? Always? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Every step of the day, man. Every day. All day, every day. <laughs> Which we yeah. know is not. Well, ironically, and you said that this was really funny because you guys said you guys like as a two and a seven, it's odd that you're best friends. But yeah. my friend who I dated and is now uh-huh. my good friend is uh-huh. a two and mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. And nice. yes, it's very hard for her yep. to do that. Yep, Makes a lot of sense. I never even thought about that. Those triads being like not having access to it and therefore yeah. it being a challenge. Wild. That is wild. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What were you going to say, Scott? Yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to say, because I'm curious if you relate. I feel like part of it is a lot of times that question, oh, how was your day? You're like, I haven't had time to think through that answer. So the yeah. first thing that comes up, the only things I remember from my day were the positive things. I don't oh, yeah. The things that went wrong, I've blocked out of my mind already. So unless yeah. I'm actively in the struggle, I, I don't have time to... Like, I don't know. It was good because that's all I really remember because I, I chose not to remember the other parts. Right. So <laughs> I made a conscious effort a while ago to to not make something up but to like actually say mm. something negative or like to make yourself relatable to someone else because i was like being good all the time is not actually accurate no it's not i will get yep. to that because what ended up happening is i just said the same thing every time it yep. was true and it wasn't i'm good but it was i'm tired which was true <laughs> but it really isn't it's really, shallow yeah it's shallow it's also not a feeling it's also not a feeling. Yeah, it has nothing to do with emotion. At, accurate enough for a seven. But like, it was, it is true. And so I did that. And then Luke, one time, I said that to somebody and we walked away from that conversation. And Luke was like, Paul, you've got to stop saying that. That's the boringest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, okay. So then ever since then, I've been trying to figure out like, what do I say when someone asks me? Because I can't just say I'm good. <laughs> like I am, but like, it's an awkward question. But I always want to, I want to, breach it with authenticity yeah but i just mm-hmm. struggle to be like a lot of times people aren't intending it to be authentic either they're just saying right. how are you doing and you're like i'm good right. yeah whatever right. or i'm tired awesome. yeah whatever it doesn't matter yeah it does nothing nothing of substance i like asking the question and then asking it again be like oh no i meant how are you and they're right. like what i don't know no like more than just like us greeting yeah. hello how's your soul today how's your soul <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's get a little deeper how's your heart feeling I don't yeah. have one, but I would love to hear about yours. <laughs> You're like, what's it like having a heart? What's it like having one of those? Can you tell me about it? 
Luke is like, no, I can't. Yeah. I think the crazy <laughs> thing too, if you think about it, not crazy, maybe funny thing. It's like human beings are, we're made emotional. Like yeah. it's part of who we are, right? And it's almost an interesting paradox for the seven because sevens want to have the full experience of life, yet you repress like at least 50% of your emotions. If not more. So you don't even have like a full experience mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. in that sense because it's like, you're actually just focusing on the quote unquote positive emotions. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. essentially living your life in black and white as opposed to color. Like when I think about coloring something, it's really interesting in filmmaking because you have to use colors to emote. So like I understand emotion and how to get someone to feel a certain way sure. because of creation, creating, but I can't get myself to feel it. I'll go into a movie and like it takes it takes a really good movie to get this boy to tear up. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever spilled a tear for a film yet. But like actually one that runs down your, I always want to, I want to so bad, (laughs) but I'm like, this has moved me. Why is nothing happening? Sure. I'm over here. I'm over here doing this. (laughs) Licking (laughs) the lick in the eye, the run down the eye, give it a pathway to follow. I don't know. (laughs) But I love it. I want to feel those emotions because I love the cinema. Yeah. And even theater, like in theater, I want to feel those things. But then it's like I struggle to actually connect those parts in me mm. to actually have that emotional. I can. Yeah. You connection. know, in your head why yeah. it's emotional and why yeah. it should make you feel that way. But to actually mm-hmm. have the feelings come is that next level. Yeah. That, it's like happy chills in a musical. Imagine yeah. in my world, like there's like a guy on the stage in the middle of news. He's doing foyte turns and they're beautiful. And then they're seizing the day. And it's like this big dance number. And you're like. I could jump out of my seat right now because I'm so happy and I have chills running down my spine just thinking about it right now. And I love that. That's like the happiest moment of my life in the theater right there. Mm-hmm. Or actually when I perform it, it's the happiest. But even in just sitting, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Whereas like the sad parts, I don't have near the reaction. And I know it's because I just struggled to connect to that heart. Like the happiness, that's what I am gluttonous for is those feelings. That's why like Les Mis is like something. I liked Les Mis when we just saw it recently. But I didn't connect to the sorrow. I connected to the grace that Jean Valjean had, not yeah. the humanity, which was like yeah. that. Right. It's like half of it. I think one of the big, as we were talking about growth earlier, mm-hmm. like it's so important, I think, to bring healing to the wounding messages that we believed all growing mm-hmm. up that first yeah. made us develop our personality. And so this wasn't a question that I prepped you for. And wow. So <laughs> I, I actually want to hear, I know, right? What can I say? I actually want to hear from. <laughs> You, Paul, and also you, Scott. I'm curious for both of you guys to think through this one. But okay, there's multiple thoughts going through my head, so I'm going to try to be as concise as I can. The message is that it's not okay to depend on anyone, right? So you need to depend on yourself. I don't think you're going to be able to rewrite that message as a seven until you start to bring the not-so-happy-and-pleasant-feelings mm. to your own awareness and then allow other people to see those things yeah. and allow other people to enter into those <laughs> things and help bring healing in that way. Right. Because the healing is mostly found in those moments where the harder emotions or the mm-hmm. sadness, mm-hmm. when I say harder emotions, like sadness, grief, anger, frustrations, mm-hmm. boredom, <laughs> all those things, like when you allow other people in to mm-hmm. see those things, I think that's when you start to learn and experience, oh, people care for me in these moments mm-hmm. and they don't, I don't actually have to be happy around them. Mm-hmm. And they actually love me for just who I am. And so, that, wait, and more than that, they want to actually help me with these things and feel these feelings with me. And I think that's what undoes the message of it's mm-hmm. not okay to depend on anyone. So, yeah, tell me mm-hmm. from your seven brains and hearts <laughs> that, that you do have. 
is terrifying. But yes, it is so true. Yeah. And I think that despite it kind of to bring a full circle moment to this friendship with this roommate. Yeah. Is that he was so influential in that grief or like sitting in grief or sitting in pain, mm. sitting in sadness, sitting in anger that was like, now, maybe not great. I think there was a lot of trauma, sure. but there was also a lot of growth that happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of it is traumatic as much as it is traumatic for a seven. Like it may have been growth or like pushing toward growth that in the moment I'm just mad about because I didn't want to spend four hours sitting in sadness and in pain. But that's not bad. That's not for me. It's good growth. And I think that for me, I have to put myself into a position of mm-hmm. boredom of stillness, of silence that I struggle so much with in my everyday life. Otherwise, if I don't, the anxiety builds or pain or sadness or whatever it is Mm -hmm. builds until it boils over and I hurt someone when I could have had many conversations of growth before. And I think I have to give myself time to be alone and not alone with an audiobook or with a story or with a Oh my gosh, dude, how no, many no. hours? Like, how, there are so few hours of my day that are silent. Scott's feeling convicted. He doesn't like it. <laughs> I, no, I'm with you, man. I hate it. Like, I do not, like, I I listen to an audiobook while I shower, while I go to bed at night. I, like, have audiobooks on all the time. I am listening yep. to my books. I am getting my, I'm getting my, my reading time in. Let me pat myself on my back. But what I'm not doing is thinking. I'm not sitting in stillness and emoting. I'm not thinking about my emotions. I'm not thinking about what I'm anxious about and processing what that means. Mm. Therapy was so good as a kid because it taught me how to process those things. And what have I done in my adult life? Ignored them. Like (laughs) I have run so far away from those emotions that I need to think about, to process. And it's just hard. I don't want to do it. But I need discipleship in those areas. Mm -hmm. I need people to continue to ask me how I'm doing. But no, really, how is Paul's heart? Yeah. How is, where is that? Because we got to pull that layer back. That's, we got to cut, take a little, I hate surgery, but take a little scalpel and just yeah. cut into that heart a little bit because that's how it feels. Yeah. It feels like a scalpel cutting into my heart just mm. to open it up to see inside because mm. there's a little mm. box around it I don't want to touch. Yeah. It's just right there. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to touch it, that's but really... I have to, or I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good mm. business partner. I'm not a good creative. I'm not good at anything if I can't access my heart or if mm. maybe I'm yeah. not good at anything, but like I'm not, You're it's limited. not going to grow. I'm limited. Yeah. It's black and white versus color, which again is a paradox for the seven because sevens yeah. fear is being limited. Yeah. Being <laughs> but we also are really good at limiting ourselves. Yes. Yep. Correct. That was really well said, Paul. That was great. Scott, I'm interested to hear what you think. Yeah. So I'm more thinking to the initial question of why do we need to access that Mm. hard part? Why do we need to access that emotional side if we want to understand and be willing to, you know, let people in and let Mm. people help us? I almost think of it like how a scientist does things where it's like you have these assumptions that you start Mm. out with and you define these assumptions and then everything goes from there. So for me, the assumption is that I'm on my own and no one's going to help me. So all of my thoughts, all of my, there is no emotional side. I'm thinking this is very academic. It's very Mm. strategized. It's okay. My thought process is going this way. And the assumption was that no one's going to help me. So that's, it's just a reality. That's the Mm. reality. And I'm now making my decisions off of that. So even when things are hard, even when things are tough, my, my response is not, 
huh, I wonder if someone can help me because that was already assumed not to be true. Like right. subconsciously, that was just a thing right. that is true that, that I am now respond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even think of back there. I'm now just, okay, what's my next move? What's the next mm-hmm. choice? What am I doing as a response? So I think we almost have to say, wait a second, <laughs> that mm-hmm. assumption's not true. Like the emotion, like in a thought process, I, I cannot get over what I can say, no, okay, this is hard. I don't know what the right path is, but I'm going to think it through. I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to go for it and mm. I'll be on my way. But when you bring the emotions in, you can't turn those off because you're right. feeling it. You're actually experiencing that. So I think that's when you get into the point where you're like, I feel this sadness. I feel this sorrow. I need help. Because yeah. when you're just thought, it's no, I don't need help. I'm just, I make the next best move. That's all I can do. That's the only thing you can right. do. But sure. when you feel the emotions, it's I'm trapped. I need help. Yeah. I need someone to support me because I can't do it. And when it's just thought, you can reframe everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This has just come up recently for a project we're doing for Twin Sauce where I have to have a cameraman. And I mm. have never asked anyone for help other than Luke to like be a second shooter. Yep. And he's like comfortable and I ask him anything. But like, that's like a baseline. Like that's not even emotional. It's just like crap. Mm-hmm. I need help. Yeah. And then it's like, now who do I ask? Because I've never ever asked for help. I have very few resources. And so I started had to call people that I was like, I know you can't do it, but you might know somebody who can do it, who might know somebody who can do it, who might know somebody who can do it, found somebody, which is so exciting. I'm so excited Ooh. for it. Yay. But it was so hard to ask for help. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you just want him to be happy. So you're like, I, it's literally, I want your creative vision. I want you to do whatever you want. If you need a break, <laughs> tell me. It's like, no, like, he's fine. He's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're, it's you're, literally the easiest job. Follow yeah. me around and film what I do. It's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. This has been so good. Aww. I have loved talking with you, both of you. It has been a blast. I have enjoyed it. And it's cool. <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, Scott, you and I, like as dear friends mm. and like doing life together, we don't always even have these kinds of conversations. So it's cool to <laughs> sit here and just hear you explain some of those things. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a lot easier yeah. to share what you're thinking when somebody says the same thing and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, even but even Sawyer, even you said a couple of times things that I was like, I didn't have words for that, but I'm glad you said that. And like you said, the more you learn, the more language is given, the easier it is to process and to yep. work through and to grow. Because otherwise, if you don't have language, you, you can't do it. It's I love so it. helpful. So cool. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, of Thank course. You, Thank you, Paul. And we'll make sure to plug Twin Sauce and everything and yes, plug what you guys are doing. It. Absolutely. I'll plug um, you guys. I got to share this out so people can hear how crazy I am on the inside. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. No, how awesome you are on the inside. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I do. That's true. I'm excited. I love it. I love myself. It's great. <laughs> Good. You're a lovable I promise. I promise I love myself. <laughs> so as we finish here, you choose the closing question, Paul, because there's a, there's two of them there. Which one would you rather answer? If Do you have it in front of you? You might not yeah, have it I in do. front of yeah, you. Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay, so I actually, I was reading this right before we, we went on, and I, I read that question to Luke. The, based off your story, what would you say the overarching theme of your life is? Uh-huh. And I said that to Luke, and I said, wait, what did I say, Luke? I said, Floundering. no, obscure. Er. <laughs> Floundering. Floundering. It was something like that. It's like rough. <laughs> No, blind, yeah, floundering, blind luck, and oh gosh, there's something else. A lot of whiskey. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was like obscurity, but that's not the word I was looking for. No, there was something. It was another word. It was so good. I was so ready for it. <laughs> Dang it. No, but really, it is blind luck and just like trying the next thing, which is not a great theme. But like all of my life, and I think this is partially due to being like afraid of the pain of stopping and thinking. 
but I've always followed these really odd career paths where I'll just be like, like mm-hmm. during college, I was like, I'm going to photograph weddings. So I started photographing weddings. And while Luke was working 50 hour work weeks, I was working like four weddings a summer and just editing them on the side and not straining myself in the slightest. And I was making like twice as much money as he was. And oh. Luke got so mad as a three. Can yeah. you imagine that your brother is just like meandering his way through college debt free. And he's over here like, just like any hour I can work extra. Can I make more money? Can I do this? And I was just like, it'll happen. It'll work out. And it did. Sure. I don't know how, honestly, I have no idea, but Amazing. it did. And that's like mm. bl- the blind luck part of my life is, but I've never been yep. too worried with, yes, I want to be taken care of and I wanted all of those things. But I also was stupid enough to just follow my dreams <laughs> and just be like, <laughs> maybe it'll work. And then like, dude, like quit the $90,000 a year job and just be like, let's just try this on my own. Yeah. Mm. But luckily I always lived dirt poor, so it was fine. Everything's always been fine. Yeah. I'm used to it. Love it. Uh, no, I don't know. Awful. Blind luck. That's a good theme for Paul. Yeah, Again, I think it speaks to the sevens. The mm-hmm. fact that you guys are really good improvisers. Yeah. You just kind of make it up as you go along many times. For real. <laughs> and it's impressive. Honestly. Uh, yeah. Um, just don't think too hard about it. It'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> yep, just to the detriment of my soul. But yeah. No, but for real, like other people are like, like Luke is so anxious as a, like, just always about some of this stuff. And I'm just like, dude, it's fine. It'll work out. I've got my emergency fund. I'm fine. Amazing. I paid my, like this goes to show you like how it it looks so good online. This may be more information that you guys want to know, but for a social media influencer, this month was the first month of the year that I paid myself. So I was living, luckily we've been okay. Like we're making it work, but it's not easy. Yeah, It's not as, yeah, you get to a certain level where it's like, you're yeah. working with people and it's making enough money to make the wheels turn. But like when you're starting out, there's, there are times, even as a, just as a production company, production house, yeah. you don't always know. So as long as you can live cheap, you can figure it out. Budget, budget when you're, when you have plenty. Ooh. And then when you have little, you're able to survive. That's just so. good financial advice right there. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I was a financial peace university coach. I know all the things. <laughs> what weren't you? For real. Yeah, I was never things. an engineer. Okay. So, <laughs> too boring for you there's still time <laughs> no, i find it so interesting oh man this has been awesome paul yeah <laughs> thank you thank you so very much for being on our show and for oh, just sharing your me. and yourself you are a beautiful person and uh, yeah i just want to remind also all the type mm-hmm. sevens out there that it is true you will be taken care of that fourth core longing is true and it is what saves you from the endless box and trap that you get stuck in believing that you will be taken care of yeah so i want to leave that as like a benediction. I love <laughs> it. No, I love it. Even like biblically speaking, like if you go back to like biblical stuff, God, he takes care of the the flowers of the field and the birds of the air and he'll take care of you too. And it's like, oh, that's so nice. I can trust in that. I'll just yeah. sit back and enjoy my crazy life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's thankful. Oh, no problem. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. All right. Well, that was an awesome episode, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I was a fan, but I really hope you guys had as much fun as we did. I hope you got to learn more about the seven, mm-hmm. about what it looks like, about how we are motivated. Even with the counter type, I hope you got to see maybe what a little spice mixed into a seven yeah. looks like. And how even with the counter type, the motivations are still the mm-hmm. same. The social seven motivations are still the same as the sexual seven. Yes. As the self-preservation seven. 
It's just the way they live it out. It just looks mm-hmm. different, right? It's like yep. three shades of seven, so to speak. <laughs> Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us reviews. Tell us what you think. Five Give stars. us some criticism. Five stars, obviously appreciated. Tell others about us. Tell your friends about this podcast. If you like it, if you don't like it, if you want a good laugh, we don't care. Just give us a just listen. Give and give it to your friends. <laughs> Thanks again for listening today. And always remember, we need a tool like the Enneagram to grow in self-awareness because what you don't own owns you. Be well, friends. B-I. <laughs> You're a nutcase. You've lost your mind. You panicked. You've lost your mind. <laughs>